0: In the darkness of a moonless night, three men bring ashore their latest shipment of drugs. The pebble beaches of the east coast of England prove easy landing grounds for the business.
1: They're bringing in massive amounts of drugs by sea to clandestine locations with a high degree of organisation.
0: A man called Jack Worms has a vehicle workshop which is good cover for the transport needs of the drug smugglers and together with Mick Steele and Darren Nichols, he makes up the other members of a six-man gang. But the gang dynamics have hit choppy waters. One group of three is angered by the other.
2: It's a fallout between drug dealers that it's drug dealers arguing about their, uh, their activities and the, the means of solving it are, are such that uh, somebody decides to, to murder them.
0: At point blank range, Patrick Tate, Anthony Tucker, and Craig Rolfe are subsequently murdered.
2: Shocking crime, really, because it was um, it was three men sitting in a Range Rover in a quiet, deserted, sort of farm track. They're they shot. They're, they're all of them shot in a an execution style. Would not be sort of putting it too strongly. They're they're sitting in a car. Uh, the suggestion is from from the circumstances they you know they may not have realized what was happening to them. They they were just sort of shot out of the blue.
0: Police have to deal with the underworld to build a case. One of the gang members becomes a so-called supergrass and tells the police who the killers are. Jack womes and Mick Steele. They are convicted. But both men protest their innocence. One at Jack Worms has rejected the chance of early release, rather than admit his guilt. For CBS Reality, 12 specifically selected citizens were asked to revisit the case before reaching their own verdict. In this podcast, we'll hear from the CBS jurors Gurpreet Baparai and Kim Angela Smith. We'll also hear from Defence Barrister Matt Stanbury and former Metropolitan Police Senior Detective Colin Sutton. You'll be placed in the same position as the jury. As you consider the evidence, you might well ask should Jack Wombs be serving a life sentence for murder? Or has a miscarriage of justice allowed killers to remain free? I'm Will Henrahan, and this is the Jury Room Podcast. Not long before the three drug runners Tate, Tucker and Rolfe were found murdered, an Essex schoolgirl called Leah Betts, the daughter of a local policeman, had taken a single ecstasy tablet. Her first, and her last, it killed her. One of the murdered men had supplied that tablet. And as the convicted murderer was a drug-running colleague, the CBS reality jury found it hard to find sympathy. Kim Smith, a former carer from Hemel Hempstead.
3: The only true victim I find here is the little girl that died with the ecstasy. Um, And and her family, I felt for them. Uh, With the rest of the fraternity, I believe that their families and friends knew exactly what sort of people they were.
0: Despite her misgivings about the characters involved in this ugly criminal event, it was Kim who was determined that the jury give Womes and Steele a fair hearing.
3: Whether the the accused was a a known criminal or just an innocent member of the public, you still had to give him the, the rights, the same rights. Um, so yes, so I, I just wanted to put it across that we're, we're talking about another human being here. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't matter what he's done in the past. You know, it's, it's the same as anyone else that's up a, a, you know, with the justice system. If he, if he claims he hasn't done anything and he is an innocent man, we well, have to treat him as such.
0: It is important to note that it's common ground agreed by defence and prosecution that if one of the two men convicted for the murder of Tate, Tucker and Rolf is innocent, then both are. Early on, there was a conspiracy theory which linked the death of Leabetz with the murders. Had rogue elements in the establishment who were angry at the death of an innocent become involved with the Essex underworld? A suggestion quickly dismissed by the police investigators at the time and by Colin Sutton, an ex-Metropolitan police lead investigator.
2: The suggestion that this was payback for one of the victims supplying drugs to children, and specifically to, a, to the daughter of, a, of, a, of an Essex policeman, senior policeman, is it's something that needs consideration, but I think one that I would discount. If it were desired to deal with the person who supplied the drugs to the young girl, overwhelmingly the police response would be to deal with it by means of prosecution.
0: The breakthrough evidence needed by police to arrest Jack Worms and Mick Steele came from an unusual source, the criminal underworld itself. Indeed, from the unwitting getaway driver on the day of the murders,
2: Darren Nichols. This uh, Nichols, who, who, uh, who says that on the day in question, he effectively drove them there, drove them there to the scene of the murder, not knowing at all that they were uh, going to intending to commit murder. That they were going to have a, a business meeting, in effect, with the others involved in their drug importation uh, scheme, and that he drove them there. They got out, went and had what he thought was a meeting, and it was only when they came back in the car and he noticed that uh, that one of them had a uh, had speckles of blood or some red substance on his gloves and that there was some conversation about a gun falling apart when it was fired. Uh, it was only at that point that he, he realised that uh, what had gone on.
0: The role of Nichols, the man who turned Queen's evidence against Worms and Steel, has been a thorn in the side of the defence team from the time of the murders in 1995 until today. Matt Stanbury, a regular defence barrister, maintains that Nichols would say what he said, to protect himself.
1: Well, the significance of Nichols, of course, was that he had every interest, the defence would say, uh, in saying that he wasn't involved. Of course he would say that he thought that something else was going to go down. Of course he would say, uh, I I wasn't involved. Because if he was involved, then he too would be guilty of murder under the joint enterprise principle. So he had every motive, the defence would say, to lie, to uh, worm his way out of it, to give a false account.
0: There was one other piece of evidence which the original jury heard from the prosecution, and it's complicated. There were two mobile telephone masts not far from the scene of the murder and from a pub nearby called the Wheat Chief. The police argued that a mobile phone call picked up on the records from one of the communications masts was made by Worms shortly after the killings. It was to Darren Nichols and lasted four seconds. It was alleged that it was Womes calling Nichols and asking for him to come and collect Womes and Steel. The Womes defence was that he was in the Wheat Sheaf pub when the murders happened, and that the communications mast evidence proved it. He had called Nichols, but that was to innocently ask for a meeting. The mast nearer the pub was the one which picked up that call. If Womes had called from the murder scene, then the call would have been routed through the other mast. Colin Sutton and the original prosecution team dismissed that counterclaim.
2: There is a mobile phone uh, ping, or whatever you want to call it, a hit, on a mast nearby which suggests that that Worms and Steele are in the area uh, around nearby to where the murder took place. Uh, um, They give an explanation saying that they were elsewhere but still on that mast, uh, and there's a suggestion that if they had been at the scene of the murder, they would have struck on another phone mast. But uh, you know that's not <clears throat> that's not an exact science anyway. Uh, uh, um, it depends very much on atmospheric conditions, weather conditions, and the amount of traffic on the network. Whether or not your phone uses a particular mast, and, and often areas are covered by more than one mast. So we can't be. While we can say they were definitely somewhere near that area, we can't say with any precision that they were at the Wheat chief pub as opposed to being at the scene of the murder.
0: In a nutshell then, the case was that Worms bore a grudge against the three murdered men. It could be proved he was in the vicinity of the murders at the time that they took place and his unsuspecting getaway driver Darren Nichols confirmed that he was the killer. Matt Stambree and Colin Sutton agree on one thing. The strongest evidence came from Darren Nichols.
1: The- Credibility, the reliability of the witness here, Mr. Nichols, is absolutely critical. The judge directed the jury that. If they believed Mr Nichols, if they were sure that he was telling the truth, then Mr Womes was guilty. If they weren't sure that he was telling the truth, then he was not. So this is one of those cases where it is one person's word against another.
2: Yeah, N- Nichols, Nichols' evidence is, is absolutely crucial. Without it, there is no conviction.
1: The, the defence at trial was very straightforwardly that Mr Nichols was lying, that he had his own reasons, his own motivations to tell lies, and that he simply wasn't worthy of
0: belief. On the CBS reality jury, shop worker Gurpreet Boparai from Dudley in the West Midlands agreed with the prosecution case. In becoming a so-called supergrass, Darren Nichols would have to later spend the rest of his life in a witness protection programme to leave behind Essex and much of his extended family.
4: He did say whatever he said and if he was lying, like for me, why would you take that risk of like um, risking um, not being able to speak to your family ever again?
0: The original jury found the men guilty, but Womes and Steele were to appeal. They offered new evidence about the key witness, Darren Nichols. He had avoided murder charges and received a shorter sentence for his involvement in the drugs gang by turning Queen's evidence, which the original jury may have known. But did they know the extra incentive that he had to make up a story about Womes and Steele?
1: Well, the evidence that was relied upon at the appeal was that Mr. Nichols had been selling his story. Uh, to a a book deal, a television deal, a magazine
0: or newspaper deal. Even Colin Sutton believed that revelation undermined the case against
2: Jack Womes. I think it's worrying, yes. I I think you've, you know, it's not a situation you'd want to be in. It doesn't of itself mean that the information, the evidence that he gave was not true. So I think you're in a situation where you need to look at the potential for corroborating what he said, what corroboration of what he said is the could to be? Because he can still uh, want to get paid and indeed get paid and, and receive money for his story while telling a true story, can't he? It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not true. It just means it needs handing more carefully.
0: But there were more revelations offered to the appeal court, centering on the cosy relationship between Nichols and the police. Nichols was in uh,
1: protective custody. He was in the custody of the police in order to protect him because if you're giving evidence against your co-accused in this way, then obviously uh, it stands to reason that you might need to be separated from them rather than being kept in the ordinary prison estate. So Nichols was being kept in protective custody in different police cells across uh, East Anglia. And whilst he was in protective custody, he was receiving visits from journalists. There was an attempt to, uh, a successful attempt, to smuggle in a a camera for him to uh, document some of the uh, goings on whilst he was in protective custody. Uh, And of course the point that the defence made was this, that this was all going on under the police's noses. The police said, look, we weren't involved in this, we know that we're not allowed to facilitate the exchange of money or to be involved uh, in money changing hands because we can't be seen to be having supergrasses paid money. But of course the defence point in reply to that was, was straightforward. Well, that, that is what is being facilitated. Access to Mr Nichols is controlled by you. He's in police custody. You've allowed these people to come in. You must have known what was going on. You must have known that money, substantial sums of money, uh, were changing hands. Uh, And that changes everything. The defence said that had the jury known about that, it would have given them pause at the very least before relying upon what Mr Nicholls said. Because not only did he then have the motivation uh, of saving his own skin or minimising his own uh, involvement uh, in uh, these offences, but he also had the potential motivation uh, of of financial reward, a very substantial uh, financial reward.
0: For Colin Sutton, that changes nothing.
2: You know, if Nicholl's story is the truth, then Wombs and Steele are murderers. He never changed his story. He never wavered from what he said went on from day one and the story that. And he's told, it's a story he's told repeatedly to journalists, to, to, to uh, somebody he's writing a book with, uh, to television, and of course, crucially, to the court. And that story has been consistent all the way through. Just because he's a co-accused, just because he's willing to tell his story to the media, doesn't mean that his evidence is unreliable, necessarily. It's a matter for the jury, taking everything together, how they see him present his evidence, how they, what they know of the other evidence and how it all fits together to come to a decision. Again, the CBS
0: juror, Goepreet, was not convinced about the defense attack on Darren Nichols.
2: Yeah,
4: there was, um um, a financial um, gain from it, but any financial gain doesn't take away from the fact that you won't be able to speak to your family, hence, which is one of the reasons why I did believe him.
0: So, how did the appeal court hearing go? For Jack, badly. The appeal court judges erred on the side of people like Gurpreet.
1: So, the appeal court wasn't um, particularly impressed by the new evidence. They accepted that obviously it needed to be considered, but in the end, the appeal court said, well, look, This was the issue at the trial, Mr Nicholl's evidence was the issue at the trial, his credibility was the issue at the trial Uh, and it was all explored, the consistency of of his account had always remained, Um, he'd always remained a very consistent witness throughout 13 days in the witness box Uh, and the Court of Appeal in the end decided that although uh, there was this new evidence as to him having uh, gained some financial reward for his involvement in this. And although that had happened uh, at a time when he was in police custody, they weren't satisfied that there was any evidence of any corruption by those police officers. Uh, and they weren't satisfied in the end that this new evidence so undermined uh, Nichols' testimony generally as to what happened in that lane uh, as to quash the conviction.
0: And how did the CBS reality jury take the new evidence? It is fair to say that there was a split between Kim and Gurpreet Boparai, who even offered his fellow jurors another theory, that Jack Womes may not have pulled the trigger, but still have been guilty.
4: Whether he did it or not, I still believe he knew it. I knew about it, and if he did know about it, then he's just as guilty as if, they, if he did it or not. So.
0: And what are the new evidence about money? How did Gerprit respond to the news that Darren Nichols had received tens of thousands of pounds and a shorter sentence for becoming a supergrass? Were you struck by the fact that our prosecution and police expert, Colin Sutton, said that he had been consistent throughout? And did it affect you when you considered it that when you discovered that he'd been paid tens of thousands of pounds by the media for a story?
4: I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't. I, it does add a, a layer of um, doubt into my mind, but I, s- I still massively believe it. Well, he's, he when he was because he was given police protection,
0: mm-hmm. Kim and Gerberi, which yeah. we also learned. Um, but but because not to have been given that protection would have led put him in extreme danger yes. in Essex underworld. Yeah. His close family, wife and children, and he were given a new identity and moved somewhere else. Um, but what you're saying, Kirpreet, I think, is you won't be seeing the rest of your family, you won't be seeing the rest of your friends that you grew up, you'll never live in the area that you grew up, and that's a massive sacrifice. You'll never
4: live the life that you've lived. Like, you've got a different identity now. Like, everything where you've grown up to is, is now withdrawn, based on the decision that you've made to give evidence on these people. Hence why I couldn't believe that he'd lie about that.
0: Kim Smith was not of the same view as she sat on a TV jury, which she at times found stressful. Generally, As, being a jurist, did you find difficult?
3: Yes, yes, it's because, you, you know, you really put yourself into the lives of these people, and the victims. Um, and you don't want to see someone put away for, for something they haven't done, you know, um... And do you think he has been put away for something innocent? I, I, I do. I think he's protested his innocence long enough to... Because the other thing you were struck
0: by is there was an incentive for him implied by the defence way back when his father Mm. was terminally ill and it was put to him that if he'd only confessed, there was a chance down the line he'd get out earlier. That's right. And he rejected that. His mum, who's still with us, he calls her twice a day. And and again,
3: he he won't admit his guilt, even though he knows it means he may not see his mother again on the outside. I mean, I believe that his father would have known exactly the type of life he was living. I do believe that because guys and their dads are, are really close, there's a very special bond there, um, even in that sort of world, or maybe even more so. So I do believe if, if he had committed the crime, he would have admitted it, especially to get the reduced sentence.
0: And you're comfortable when Com- you leave the jury room, that uh, tonight Jack Holmes is putting his head in a prison cell pillow, and you'll be on the outside and you're comfortable that that's the right decision, justice got it right, Yeah. and you're not Kim?
3: No. No, I feel a bit terrible, but I did vote for him to be released. So in my own consciousness, I'm feeling quite happy. But again, you know, if man is innocent, a man is innocent.
0: Tune into the CBS reality programme to see what the outcome of the TV trial of Jack Womes was. The defence team believe Womes' case should be examined again by the Criminal Cases Review Commission. They think him not guilty. What do you think? Put yourself in the position of the original jury. Consider the new evidence. Is he guilty or not? What's your verdict? You can watch the full episodes on CBS Reality. Join me, Will Henrahan, next time on the Jury Room podcast as we consider another case of a convicted murderer protesting their innocence.